And those, and to these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you have heard from me. Now, seems like an odd place to start, I realize, but as I was looking at this many notes of what I'd like to say today, I, I felt yesterday, early, that God began to bring it down. So, as, we, as you look at the book of Acts, I want to make a recommendation to you that, that you approach the book of Acts from the position that I need to get my hand out of my pocket. Huh? Uh, my, that you approach the book of Acts in the way that the writer intended it. Now, we've called it the Acts of the Apostles, and some people argue with that, say it should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. But my comment there is those people don't understand the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit acts through men. So it is the acts of the apostles. But what did Luke say about it? Because what we often miss, we, we've thought of the book of Acts as the handbook for the charismatic movement. Now, a lot of people have thought, it, thought about it that way. But really, it's number two. It's the sequel of the book of Luke. It's number two in a two-volume series. So when Luke began to write back in his... Uh, first volume, he said about this, he said, this is the gospel concerning the anointed man, concerning Jesus, the anointed man. I, I want you to get that anointed man in your thinking. That man that's empowered beyond what a normal man can be empowered. That man that, that responds to the presence of God on himself. And he said, this, this is a record of what Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, if you leave that in English, you, you miss the emphasis because that word do, yes, it does has, have action in it, and that's why it's translated that way. But that do is all about identifying men with, with particular abilities and enabling them to fulfill what God designed for them because of those abilities. That Jesus began to identify men and enable them to carry out the will of God. And so when you begin to read through the book of Matthew and look, look at all of the record of how he worked with those disciples, you begin to understand what Jesus was actually up to. He wasn't up to holding big crusades and healing people. That was a byproduct of what was going on. But he said he both began to do and to teach. Now that word teach is a far cry from standing in front of a classroom all the time. Because that teach has so much action in it. That teach is by word of mouth and by action together with others that others begin to learn. How we as teachers, if, if, we, if we have a primary calling of teaching, how we need to learn that. That standing in front of a classroom is the least that we do. Walking with people in life and, and demonstrating what it is to be anointed is, is what we're called to do. So that, that's what the first volume was all about. Now the second volume is the way that continues. The first one's all about a man, Jesus, living out the life of the anointed and, and how that works. The second volume is about that continuing. 
what it is that normal men will look like with the Christ indwelling them. We have to understand that Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ has to do with what with the power that was on him and the power that he's able to release to us and upon us. And that he, wonder of wonders, he gives us the ability to release that also. What a responsibility, but what an what a, uh, honor for God to release this part of himself to men. But he, as Luke began to write, he, he traveled with Paul, he traveled with some of the other disciples, and in the book of Acts, he began to write about what he saw as men, women like you. Understand that this book of Acts is not just about men, it's about men and women, and how, how that began to work out through them. And Luke, all of Luke's recording was not for an eventual charismatic renewal. It was about what it looks like to walk anointed by God. The mistakes you make, but also the successes that you have. And sometimes those mistakes are are encompassed in years, but you finally get it. Excuse me. You realize that this is not about just someday God's going to come back. But this is about He has come back. Oh, I want you to hear that. If you're sitting waiting on a trumpet to blow sometime, I will say that might or might not happen. I'll say that for the sake of not offending you. But let me tell you something. You need to unpack your bags and find out what it means to be empowered by God today. (laughs) It's fun, I'll tell you. Now, one of the emphasis that I get out of the book of Acts is I realize that after Acts chapter 2 that these are not normal fallen men. They were. But now they're a different breed. They're a different race. A different uh, a chosen race. A royal priesthood. They've been called out of the darkness of the mind and into the marvelous light of being known as those who follow God. And because of them understanding that, they, that there's a new kind of man in the earth, a new kind of woman in the earth, they, they began to spread it out. They began to realize wonder of wonders. Not only can I do this stuff, but I can teach others to do this stuff. And folks, that's what it's all about. That's what equipping the saints is all about. Not that I do it. Yeah, I can do it. But how much more effective is it if I teach Michael to do it in the way that he would do it? <laughs> If Ron catches it and begins to do it in the way Ron would do it. Think about that. How much more effective is it if we begin to realize that's what it's all about? That, that this thing is supposed to pervade the earth. It, it's supposed to spread out. There's, like I said, there's a lot of places I want to go. And I'm trying to, as I go through this, I'm trying to decide where to and where not to. But... Under, we began, if you, if you get this, we began to understand doing as Jesus understood it. And here's how he expressed that. He said, my father works and I work. I do nothing lest the father. I see my father doing it. So that doesn't change completely, but it changes a little bit in the book of Acts because for us, it might be something like this. Christ works and I work. I do nothing lest I sense Christ speaking in me that says do it. 
And then I do it in confidence out of the power because Jesus said, now you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, the Father in me and me in you is your hope of the approval of God, the glory of God. So begin to get this. It's not that I'm working so hard trying to hear the voice of Father. I must understand that the voice of Christ that surrounds me, that breathes into me, that breathes out from me, that speaks in me, that's Father. He's here. He's filling. How does He do that? I don't know. He's God. I'm not. So I can't figure all of that out. But Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 says this, For me to live is Christ. That's all I need of that verse right now. We could talk about the other two, but for me to live is Christ. Made it very simple. For me to live is responding to Christ, responding to, to that anointing that so invades my being and then pervades my being and then oozes out around me. That for me to live, that's the definition of living, is me responding to Christ. Uh, this book is a record of men that had been with Jesus. And maybe now we could not do any damage to that saying that our life is a record of men that's been with Christ. That has learned what it is to go to sleep realizing that in our, sleep, in our time of rest that He's going to be preparing the next day for us and that we can leave it in His hand. He'll take care of that. And when we raise up, we raise up realizing that our day is prepared and if we go with Him, there will be miraculous things happening that day. And that might just be a day of rest for you. Or it might be a right day of work, but what does the Christ say? But, and people will, people will look at you, and they might say they've been with Jesus. But that's the same as saying they're responding to the Christ that lives in them. They're, they're responding to the Christ that fills the world around them. They're, they're responding to that. And so we begin to live out not for Christ, out from Christ. It's different. I'll stay in the flesh if I keep trying to itemize things that I could maybe do for him. I want to really mess with your doctrine. He don't need you to do anything for him. He's complete in himself. But he wants you to live the wonder of what it is to live out from Him. To understand that He is pushing and that, that He speaks through His Word and that He does all these things. He wants you to understand what it is to live out from that. And in that sense, the Word is still becoming flesh. Still among man. Still demonstrating fullness of grace and truth in the earth. Not that you're Jesus. No, you're not. You are not the Messiah. But the Messiah anoints you. The Christ anoints you. The Christ lives through you. And you are a part of the body of Christ. Now, I'm afraid too much of the gospel today has been, has had Jesus kind of as a distant memory that keeps fading with the years. And that was never intended to be. That never intended to be. He is. Just get that in. He is. He is my King. He is my Lord. Now, the Bible says, King of kings and Lord of lords, 
But he is. He is. And in a greater way than he could be walking the earth as a man, he said it himself. He said, you'll do greater things because I go to my Father and we send the Christ to you. We send another comforter to you. We send an enabler to you. We send this to you. And everything, he's Lord of all. So that means everything that you encounter from day to day must submit to him if you understand it. That means that men must eventually submit to him. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. That means creation itself must submit to him. That means your circumstance, it might seem so out of order right now, it must come to order as you follow him because he's Lord of all. I found a very unique thought recently, and I'm still pondering it, but the man was a, a Hebrew teacher, and he was saying that when God said, I am, he was depositing something of himself throughout the earth. You think about that for a minute. Just, I am. When somebody asks you, who are you? You say, I am Leroy's. The fact that you live, the fact that you breathe, connects you with the I am. And out of that, you can be all Leroy's was ever intended to be. Connected. Connected with God, the Almighty Himself. Because He intended that a part of Him would be with us all of the time is His original intent that He's going to teach us what it is to walk in His will and His ways and to place things in order as He placed them in order. He wants us to walk with that confidence because He is the Lord of all. No matter what you're facing, no matter what's coming against you, he's the Lord of all. I, people start talking about how the, demon, the demonic comes against them. It's no big deal. My Lord is the Lord of all. They want to get their nose rubbed in it. Come on. That's the way it will be. Because I don't need to spend all of that time talking to devils and yelling at demons. Because he's the Lord of all. And he lives in me. Now, a lot of times we think that we're supposed to live under the influence of the Spirit. And that's somewhat true. But living out from the Spirit is so much more, uh, so much more understandable. So much, you've got so much more ability to do it. And that's one of the ways that we mark people and, and we, we begin to look and we watch people as, as, they, as they work among the body. We begin to look for those that are learning what it is not to just be under the influence. It, your call is not to be a spiritual lush that you come somewhere on weekends and get drunk in the spirit. That's not your call. Your call is to understand that you walk with him and you talk with him. And you're, if you're going to be under the influence and you're about half cocked all the time because he's with you, he's in you, he works through you. Now there are times that it's almost overwhelming and we might act like we're really, we're really under that influence. It's kind of fun at times. But the truth is, he will work out through you and other people will be affected by the power 
of Almighty God working through you. Now, we learn what we do in a school that some of the old scholars have called the school of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul listed some things, and you go look, look at that chapter and the things around it, but he listed some things like uh, sensuality. He's not rebuking the Ephesians church. I don't find any rebuke in the book of Ephesians for the church. But he was talking about people that lived out of sensuality, people that lived out of wickedness, people that were constantly trying to work things out of their mind. And then in chapter 4, verse 20, he says, but you did not learn Christ in this way. You want to learn Christ. You don't respond to all of those pressures to be like people in the world. When people start talking about all of the problems they're having, you don't start thinking of your problems so you can be accepted and get in and talk about problems. You begin to, out of the Spirit of God, say, Oh, but God's been working. Let me tell you what I've seen Jesus do. Will that make you popular? No. But it'll make you a different kind of man walking the earth. It'll make you a different kind of woman walking the earth. It'll make somebody that begins to speak out of the presence of God and things will begin to happen. Now, when we look at the Bible, and I'm going to mention a lot of scripture now without, without going to it, but how many know we usually lean toward a fallen view of the Bible? Every, almost everything we read in the Bible, we read it from a negative sense. One of, the, one of the primary scriptures, I think Mark Drake used it here recently, but you'll be known by your love one for another. Now, nine times out of ten, a Christian will start to condemn themselves, saying, oh, I don't show enough love for my brothers and sisters, and, and that, that's why we're not becoming known. That's not what he said. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and you'll be known by your love one for another. He was saying, he was qualifying that. Do you love Jesus? If you love him, you'll do this stuff. So quit trying to measure how well you're doing it and just do it. Just live in it. Then that's what we need to do with Scripture. So a lot of times we go to a fallen interpretation and we miss a whole lot of what Jesus was doing. Now, his disciples really picked up on it. And to get this in your mind, you've got to realize where his disciples were coming from. They had grown up in schools that taught them about the messianic prophecies, that, that there was a Messiah that was coming. They expected that. <clears throat> now, those same schools taught them some little bit of twisted reasoning about what that would look like. But nevertheless, they grew up with that teaching. And as they walked with Jesus, they saw this in him. That this guy, this guy's got some stuff. Man, he, he, people are getting healed. Not only that, but he's telling us, you go out and you do, you do it like I do it. And they go out and they see the devils run. They see the healings happen. And they begin to see him as the Messiah. Now, here's where their twisted thinking come in. They, they, uh, Lord, we see what's on you. Can we have a position in your government? That's basically what they were asking. Uh, Lord, we want to become politicians here. <laughs> no, seriously, you got the power. See, this is the positive side of it. You got the power. Would you give us position? Would you uh, exalt us to something? But here's what was good about it. They sensed those positions were coming open. They sensed there was some things going to happen where, where Jesus would begin to need people built around him in a particular way. They just sensed the wrong idea of how it would look. So when you look at that 
sense of what Jesus have of how Jesus worked with his men look at it differently when he said you don't know what you're asking for now how many times have you looked at that scripture and thought boy he's he's slapping them around there no he wasn't he was realizing I've got these guys in a program here and and I'm teaching them they're walking with me I'm teaching them I'm doing and they're doing and and things are working out and even, even at that, they don't realize yet what they're asking, that when they ask for position in the house, it's not a fun thing. It, it's something that sometimes is hard. It's, it's something that sometimes carries a load with it. They don't understand yet. He didn't say, I'm not giving it to them. He said, they don't yet understand what it's going to be. And when I see people in the church that, that begin to move toward position and, and they begin to actually, some actually begin to ask for position. Some begin to get offended because they're not noticed for position. And it's not anything bad in them. They see something happening. They see that we're going to need a structure if the Spirit of God really begins to move. They see that. They don't know what they're asking for. Now I would say to you that these two families that we're going to be praying over this morning, they see in part and they know in part. But they've already been walking in it. They've already experienced it. Mike's got a long history of walking in church leadership before he moved to this area. He's got a long history of serving in this house. Caleb's got an even longer history of serving in this house. They're already serving in those capacities. I get phone calls from Caleb every now and then. He's carrying the burden of the church and he's wanting to know how to pray for this one or how to pray for that one. I've watched Mike as we talk about different pastoral issues in the church and what's the burden of God come on him. They, They have some understanding of what it means to carry it and they're saying we're still willing but many of the less mature that are looking for position they when when they go ahead and create a space for themselves which they often do and the load gets heavy all of a sudden they don't want that space they heard God say do this now they're saying God said don't do it I'm telling you when that's still happening you either missed him coming or going because God don't change his mind So understand that one of the reasons that we insist if you're going to be a ministry that's recognized by the church, then you're going to be a ministry that submits to the process and we're going to see you already serving there quietly before we even begin to think about installing you officially. And that's not an insult. It's just that we're looking at the Word of God powerfully in a positive way, realizing it's powerful when people begin to ask. It's also powerful when they try to install themselves and fail. It's also powerful powerful when, when they fall down in the process. That's powerful because it's the process. I, I remember Mark Drake saying, and we were having a conversation with a young church in, in St. Louis, and, and Mark and I were talking about, about church things, and he said, yes, you give these young leaders some load. You give them some load, and then you go in your prayer closet and you pray, God help them to fall. He said, the reason that is is so that they'll fall while you're still alive and you can help them get up and move on and maybe someday they'll get to the point where they really understand this thing. He was joking. It was lighthearted. But it's almost that way. I've not been guilty of praying that anybody had fell, but I don't know, Jeremy. That's an idea. Here's what we need to understand, that Father, that Jesus knew what was happening, and with a nod toward the position that they would eventually hold, he said this, there's power coming. Hear me, 
I don't want you to leave Jerusalem until you, until you get this power, but there is an inherent ability to follow God coming up on you. And folks, that's my, that's my word to anybody that wants to serve in the house. It's just, just stay in the house. Just stay in the process. Because there's coming an inherent ability upon you, not at a time that I can determine, not at a time that you can determine, but at a time the Father determines, there will be an inherent ability come upon you and you'll be able to carry the load. Now, Jesus indicated, at least in his thinking, the, the, uh, the teaching would be, this is going to help you. This is going to change everything. As a man, now understand this, Jesus was operating as a man here now. And he was saying, all I can do is prepare you. It's in Father's hands. And folks, that's my word to you this morning. As we lay our hands on, on these guys and, and, and recognize their families with them, I, I, I want you to realize that they're men. And they can help you. I'm telling you, that's part of why they're there. I have responsibilities outside of here that keeps me, along with the responsibilities here, all that keeps me pretty busy. These guys are going to help with some of the in-house responsibilities. And I'm telling you that they can help you but they can't decide when Father's going to release that inherent ability to lead upon you. They can't make that happen. It just comes when He decides. Now, as a man, Jesus had a sense of who. And I'll do this to myself because I don't want anybody else to carry this load, but many times somebody even in the congregation will come to me and say, have you ever considered this one? And my answer will always be yes. And you can tell in the yes that there's a reserve there. And the thing is, at that moment, I know that's not it. I don't try to figure out why. I just know the process is not complete. If it's ever going to be for that particular person in that particular position. And sometimes people themselves will come to me. And here, here's the way it usually goes. Now, I'm not trying to have a position. But, <laughs> in Craig Baum's word, it's a big but. <laughs> but, this is something that I might be interested in doing. And my answer is always, we'll see. Maybe. Why? Because I don't sense Father saying, let's go with this. And the, the advisory council has not come to me and said, you know, we've seen this happening in these individuals and we think that theirs should be looked at. No, nobody has come to me like that. that. And I realize that, yeah, they're seeing something right. They're seeing that they're going to need to be a structure. They're seeing that it's all going to need to be pulled together. That honestly, we can't get much bigger than we are unless we develop the structure, which we're working hard to do. But the whole thing is, they're seeing it, so they're not wrong. They're just misinterpreting it because of bad, bad not bad necessarily, but a little bit twisted teaching in the past. And that just needs to be corrected as we go along. So you see the, you see the who... Sometimes you'll see leadership on somebody and, and you're not sure where, but you realize that's in Father's hands. That you see it, you know it's developing, but that's in Father's hands. 
And only the process of life will indicate that Father's actually doing this work. And that's why we stop and we watch the process over and over again. Now, the process is all there in the gospel. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But I want you to look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is the ordination. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, just let me clarify something. I am a tongue talker. I, and there's no way, if you're going to talk me out of that, you should have started years ago. Because I work with that. But that's not only talking about speaking in an unknown tongue. That's talking about something happening to a person that's so deep that they begin to speak in a different way. That they begin to have different things to say about things. They talk about their wife differently. They talk about their life differently. They talk about their husband differently. Why? Because the Spirit of God has come on them. And I'm telling you, as long as you're, as long as you're trying to jockey for position and running other people down to try to get it, you haven't yet had this experience where you're speaking with a new tongue because a new tongue won't do that. Throwing that out there, that's extra. (laughs) Now, ordination is simply recognition on earth of what Father is doing in His heavenly realm. Not out there somewhere, but what He's doing here. Some men and women have made so many mistakes, but none of that matters when God begins to pull them toward a time when when He's going to empower them. But we got to realize that in that upper room, before this happened, were people that had denied him, people that had argued about who was going to be in charge, people that even had their mama go talk to Jesus. Can I tell you that won't work with Jeremy? I'm not going to say it won't work with me. But you did not learn Christ in this way. That's an important aspect of, of that particular scripture. I've got to find my place here. I've, I've done this in a, not in a hurried manner by any means, but in a hurry. <laughs> but you see, these are even, in that upper room were even people that after his death, they had no understanding. He had taught them. But when he died, I mean, their faith went in the tomb with him. Peter said, come on, guys, let's go fishing. And most of those in the upper room went with him. And with what were they doing? They, were, they, they had been through all of this season and a difficult, difficult time. So what were they doing? They, these were people that had been called away from fishing. And now they're going fishing. They're going back to the old life. And you need to know that there will be times in your development when it's going to be so attractive to think about going back to your old life. Paul Washington, I hope you're watching this. Me and him talked yesterday. We were doing it jokingly, but we talked for... Chelsea said joking. joking. <laughs> we, we were saying, you know, we're getting old, so we ought to buy a lake somewhere and build a house on it and just run fishing trips. <laughs> 
It was a joke. We're not ever going to do anything like that unless Chelsea and Rita do it. But I can tell you, Paul and I is not going to do it. But these are the same people that, that in the upper room were people that they might have bought a lake and went out and run fishing trips because they didn't quite understand what was going on. But notice they didn't have to understand it once they seen the Christ on the shore. You see, they went fishing, but they looked up and there he was. And he hadn't been fishing, but he was cooking fish. And I love what Peter did. I, you know, Peter's a favorite of mine, but he saw who it was and he just threw off his clothes and jumped in the ocean or jumped in the sea and swam to shore. I can just imagine when he got there, he got, oh my, I, I forgot. I got to get out of this water if I'm, <laughs> but nevertheless, I'm sure they brought him his robe afterwards. But folks, there's a lot of times where you're going to feel like, I'm just going back to the old life. But you don't have to do it because the Holy Spirit indwells you now. He is in you. He works through you. And here's what happened when Jesus showed up on the shore, and this happened over and over again. He showed up in their natural and enabled them to work in the supernatural. So I don't worry about you when I see you slide back because I know that doesn't mean you're going to hell. That means you're a little bit, I don't know, maybe mad at the process. Mad at the fact that God wants you to be a new individual on the earth. He don't want you to celebrate your family heritage. He don't want you to celebrate the fact that all of your family were, were mean and ornery and, and they said what they thought and they, they are argumentative and combative. He don't want you to celebrate that fact because you're now a part of the family of God and they're not that way. Right. And every time you're thinking about going back to that, it's you thinking about... Paul put it this way, kicking against the traces of the harness that God has you in, trying to overcome it. You want to be both. That stops you in your growth. But Jesus showed up in their normal and He called them to something that was beyond the normal. And the Bible says there came a sound from heaven. Folks, that word sound is the word from which we get echo. There came an echo of the sound that was happening in heaven. What Father was saying began to echo in that room. It began, began to fill it up. What was being expressed by Father filled the house. Now, I like to think of that as the house being the people of God. You know, no, don't you know you're the temple? And that, yeah, I can fill this house. And there's sometimes that when we work with it in here that we feel that the whole atmosphere is charged literally. The house is literally filled with the manifest presence of God. That's happening sometimes. But you can live your life knowing that the, the area around you is filled and charged with the presence of God because God began to speak in you. You began to echo the things that He was saying in heaven. You began to respond. And that's what these guys did. Neither one of them were just jumping to say, well, yeah, we want to be elders in the church. Both of them took time. Both of them hesitated. Both of them wondered exactly what it meant and they took it back to God. But eventually, the sound out of their mouth began to echo the sound in heaven and they stood up and spoke up and said, yes, we'll do this. That's what the call of God looks like. Now, think what it would be 
if everyone here began to express the full expression of God in their world as it expresses in them. I can't express what Caleb can express. He's a lot more uh, easygoing. I'm, I'm trying to use the right words here. He's a lot more easygoing. He's a lot more likely to listen compassionately to uh, things that I might have a hard time being compassionate about. Mike is the same. He's a lot more likely to, to be really touched by a difficulty in someone's life. Not because, not because they're better or I'm better. We're different. We're just different. And that's why we're part of a team. So the, we need to understand as we begin to work with this that the full expression of God working in not just this church, but in this church, in Life Church, in every other church that is working to express the kingdom of God in Kirksville, if we want the full expression of God, then everybody has to begin to respond. Now, I'm trying to... I'm trying to figure out how to illustrate this. I was going to try to illustrate it visually, but I just couldn't put together enough stuff quick enough. But think about being an open vessel. We are very finite in our being. I'm sure you would agree with that. It simply means that we have limits. You young people, if you don't think your mama has limits, you just push her a little bit too far. she got limits. <laughs> Anna's looking at me with no expression at all, but I know she's understanding. I see it in her eyes. Probably what she's thinking is, yeah, and I'll push those limits. <laughs> but the thing is, is we're all aware that we're, we're earthen vessels. We have limits. We have this treasure. I can't... I can't express or contain the fullness of an infinite God. He has no limits. But if I stay open, if I keep my vessel open, as He pours into me, I will experience all of God. Because it will come in me and it will fill me up and it will flow out and parts and parts of that infinite being will begin to be in me and it will touch everybody around me and if they're allowing themselves to be filled and it to flow out in that we can experience a God without limits but it's only as a body and to be an effective body of more than about 25 people we need to have layers of leadership so that we can make it work I mean there's sometimes you need people to go to besides me. And Doug and I were talking about this recently. We're, we're at a time in our life where we don't understand everything that we feel we should understand. And the best way I know to put that is people come and, and wants to talk to me about how hard it is. I'm at a time in my life when I don't understand that much. Because I just want to say, well, just suck it up, buttercup. Because sometimes it's hard. But other people will feel the pressure. They'll, they'll feel the pain. And, and they'll, they'll, they won't try to experience it with you, but they'll draw you out of it. We need those people. We need those people in layers in here that, that will pastor people to the very depth of their being. Almost inevitably, somebody that wants pastored 
wants to try to find time with me, and very often they get offended because they can't. They literally can't. I just, I just can't put it in. And the truth is, there's all kinds of layers of pastoral work in here. People that will do you a lot better job than I will. And we need to understand and begin to identify those. We've been working with that and we're going to continue to do that. But that's part of what this is about. This is about is these guys can pastor people I can't pastor. Now, some of you would say, well, why are you in the position? Because God put me here. (laughs) Real simple. Now, the infinite of God can be known on the earth. But it has to be through a multitude of people. And I'm just thinking everybody that names the name, not just of God, but everybody that names the name of Christ in this city would begin to act like they knew what that was all about. There would be so much more of a boundless God expressed here than there is right now. That, that would be a dream, but how do we do it? You do it by you, expi- you responding to what's inside of you. And knowing that that will affect someone else and cause them to rise. And just through relationship and through interaction, we will challenge each other to rise to what is in them rather than what they were 30 years ago. Now, our life is designed to call attention on earth to what Father accomplished in the heavenlies. And please, when I say the heavenlies, don't think of something out there somewhere that we're yelling, trying to get through to. Another dimension right here, where God is with us. He's among us. And as we respond to that dimension, as we respond to God, we need to think up in the morning, what would it be for me and everything I do today for me to call attention to what God has done in me? To let people know that, yes, I am born again. No, I don't do those things. No, I'm not ruled by anger. No, I'm not ruled by offense. No, I'm not bitter. There's a new creation in me, ruled by God. What would it be like? How would it change your world? How would it change your relationship with your wife? How would it change your relationship with your husband, with your son, with your daughter? If you wouldn't let anything pass this mouth, that didn't first come through the lips of Christ, through the whisper of the Spirit. And folks, that's what we're designing to do as we do this ordination this morning. Guys, if, guys and gals, if you guys will come up, we, we want to be very upfront with you that there's no way that you can ordain men and it not touch their ladies. And we also look very closely at the ladies that are involved when we begin to think of ordination. And I'm telling you that I am very impressed by these couples. Just stand over here if you would. Uh, We're going to pray for these in a minute. I want to read some scripture. And I just want those of you that that will say... You know, we do support this move in the church and, and we want to be a part of it. If you'll just gather in, Chuck and Vicki, Caleb, uh, John, if you can break loose, everybody come up and just gather in behind these and let's pray for them. Uh, Christian, I'm going to do something a little bit uh, embarrassing again. Would you come up behind Caleb and Paula? You, you're perfectly qualified to pray for them this morning. Mm-hmm.
if they're okay with it. You guys okay with getting up here and facing the congregation? Okay, the scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. You guys are very familiar with this, but I just want to put it out here this morning. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Next. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now the next one is verses 14, 15, and 16. I remind you of these things and solemnly charge you in the presence of God not to wrangle about words which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. But avoid worldly and empty chatter for it will lead to further ungodliness. Now chapter 4 verses 1 through 5. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom, to preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myth. But you, making a difference, be sober in all things. I'm going to have to quit drinking. <laughs> be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. In my opinion, that but you right there is one of the most powerful two words in Scripture because it's making a very definite dividing line between what the world sees and what the world thinks and what we do. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. That's our focus. Guys, it's my pleasure. Jeremy, you want to join me over here? If you want to grab a mic, feel free. It's my pleasure to ordain you guys into ministry in this house as part of the board of elders here or the panel of elders. Melissa, Polly, you're a part of it. Not denying that at all. And so I just I wanted you up here too. There's things that these guys will go through in this position that they'll need your support. And one thing that I've found out in being an elder and a lead elder for so many years is sometimes my wife is the only one that I can look at and know that she's going to be with me. And that's very important. And I think it's important to understand that these guys will probably never show it, but they need that kind of support. They need to know you're in their corner. Guys, these ladies need to know the same thing. They're going to come under some duress. They're going to come under some scrutiny. They can handle it, but they need you to handle it with them as well and to encourage them and let them know and this is so hard, but it's not personal. It's just kingdom business. It's going about the Father's business 
and it's really not personal. It's just men operating from a fallen life rather than of the new life that's in them. And our job is to love them through that and keep going forward. Well, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we just lay hands on these two guys and release the power of your ordaining, Lord, of your spirit upon them in a greater measure. And God, as we pray for the ladies also, we ask you that you would, you would help them to realize and let the soberness of their spot come upon them as they realize that it's different, but my Lord, it's such a blessing. God, I don't want them to think that I'm telling them that it's always going to be hard because it's not. God, it's such a blessing as we watch your people grow and as we, as we realize that we really are having an effect, not just in their lives, but in our city. God, I pray that you will give them a greater level of understanding, give them a greater level of insight of what you want to do in this city. God, help us to realize that there's something on the horizon and, and you're, you're giving us an urgency to put structure and to build so this can be spread out because you're getting ready to do something. God, we do plant, we do water, but God, you give the harvest. And Lord, we're looking to you for harvest. Looking to you for harvest, God. Lord, among the youth, among, among the business people of this city, God, we're looking for a harvest. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. And the, the word that I have, I believe, directly from God for both of you guys, is, it's very simple. But it's simply that God is saying that even though you've accepted the position, there's still more to both of you than you have really recognized. And that this is by no means the end of your call to service. This is just the beginning. And open your minds up. Here's the challenge of walking in the anointing, and that's beginning to see what God has put on you and to rise to it rather than trying to, you know. Our, our tendency is to try to all oh, push it aside, you know, and it's not, it's all right. It's just, no, it's not just. It is God raising you higher. Neither one of you guys wrestle with pride. And that, that's good. You can actually begin to see what God has called you to do and what he has put on you. And I think that these days coming is going to be at the time of the most satisfaction in your families of serving God. You're going to see your family step up to a level. Yeah, they're serving God, but you're going to see them step up a level because of this decision. Yours too. And it's just, it's so apparent to me that both of you are just making a beginning. Both families are just making a beginning. And this city will talk about both of you as men and women of God who have served him, who have made a mark in this city. Anything, Jeremy? Just praying for you guys uh, this last week or so, this last couple of weeks. And, and um, there's kind of two pictures I just want to share with, with you guys is, is this. is uh, I would encourage you both to go read Psalm 127. Psalm 127. And uh, towards the end of that, it's, uh, it's an interesting passage of Scripture because it's talking about a man with, uh, with a quiver full, full of arrows. And uh, obviously, in, in, in a lot of ways, it, it talks about your own biological children, and I, I understand that. Uh, 
But the, the picture that I saw this morning as I come in, I've just been praying this morning, is, is very simply this. I saw, I saw this church, Glenn, not just these two men, but I, I saw this church uh, walking throughout the streets of this community and uh, gathering arrow shafts. And uh, uh, I'm not a hunter. I don't know if, Caleb, I'm sure, but I don't know if you hunt, but you know, if you're bow hunter or these types of things. But I saw arrow shafts and I saw, I saw you guys, this, I saw this people, I saw Christ's family just walking the streets of this community, gathering arrow shafts. And I saw you guys sitting down uh, next to Glenn and I saw you begin to straighten those shafts and begin to apply arrowheads and the, and the feathers in the back and these types of things. And I hear the voice of the Lord saying in the days of the head, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot forth from this place. And as I was praying this week, the picture that I got or the, the word that I got was anchor point. I said, well, Lord, I don't, you know, what is, okay, it's different. You know, there's a variety of different definitions for that. But an anchor point is when you've got that bow pulled back and you touch your point of your chin right here before you let go. That's the anchor point so that it's, un, it's not unstable. And I saw this, this, this moment here. This is, is laying hands on you and the church surrounding here. And is that you men and your family, your anchor points here. There's, there's great stability within your lives. And I'm hearing, I'm hearing Glenn say this as he's, as he's speaking about who you are and the men of character that you are and the integrity that you, you have and the way that you walk with your families. And I just want to say that this morning is I just I hear this word again just as I'm standing here is I've called you to be anchor points. I've called you to points of stability so that when those arrows are shot forth, they're shot straight and not wavering so that they hit the mark. And um, the other picture that I want to I want to and, and I'll turn this back over. But the other picture that I see is uh, there's a passage in Hebrews that says make straight paths so that the limbs which are lame could be made whole. The joints that are out of place would, would be made whole. And I want to encourage you, this is what I begin to see is uh, the Lord callousing your hands because you're making straight paths. And it's not in the natural, it's not in the physical, but spiritually speaking, I see you sitting down and the, and the phrase that I have here is table fellowship. I just see you with around uh, around your tables and your kitchens, your dining rooms, with your families, and bringing people in. It's the shafts that you're collecting throughout the community. And it's not on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday evening. It's on a Tuesday night around your kitchen table where you're speaking life and you're discussing the scriptures. And what you're doing is you're causing those shafts to become straight. You're applying those arrowheads so that when those things are shot forth in this community, they're shot very specifically and they hit the mark. And I just want to thank you for being men of integrity and men of character and men that other men and women, young people, can begin to look to. This community needs men and women of integrity. Yes. Desperately. This community, Truman State, <laughs> desperately needs men and women of integrity. So I just want to say thank you. And I'm excited to see what God does in the days ahead. You guys probably already know that, but those are legal documents. They enable you to do something you've always wanted to do. You can perform weddings and funerals now. <laughs> but what's more important is that we as the house now, and Jeremy, if you join in this, we're just going to pray that what's being spoken in heaven 
would now be spoken in your hearts and would dwell on you and rest on you and live in you as you walk in this community. Father, in this thing, we're just in agreement with you. God, there's going to be things beyond their wildest imagination that you start to speak in their hearts. And it'll be things that you will bring to pass. God, this city so desperately needs somebody going around picking up those broken and bent shafts. God, there's, there are some doing that, yes, but not so many. And God, we need more and more and more. God, I hear these things about this city being overtaken by methamphetamine users and all that. God, I don't buy that. This city is being overtaken by the kingdom of God. Lord, that which is growing on the inside of churches is going to start to pop forth. And we're going to see once again people delivered from these things. And it's going to be because people like this begin to live out from the anointing that's on them, from the power that you put in them. Now, God, we release that upon them in Jesus' name. Fill their house. Fill their house, God. Fill their house. And help them to begin to speak differently about everything that they do. And God, those things that have come into their minds and they pushed it aside and said, no, no, that can't, that's just not me, that can't be God. Help them to realize that that is who they're becoming and that it is God. And let them see clearly and move forward with it. God, I thank you for the privilege of walking with these two families more closely. God, from me to you, thank you for the help, God. Thank you for the help. Because of these two families, this house will be better taken care of. That's good. In Jesus' name.